Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Good morning. My name is Jordan, and I'm so honored that you could uh, join us today in this virtual campus. Uh, the title of the study today is The Light of the World. Um, I'm so uh, glad to continue to dive into the New Testament with all of you guys. Um, and it's I've had a prayer um, as uh, we've been going through this that as we go on this journey through the New Testament as the Bible as a whole, um, that as we learn who Jesus is, um, how he lived, what he did, that you would fall more in love with him, that you would uh, truly know how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, and he desires to have a real relationship with you, not a surface level, but a real deep, meaningful relationship with you. And uh, that as you realize that, as you understand God's love, that um you start to view other people differently. Um, you start to view yourself differently. You start to see God even through a clearer lens. And so it is my prayer um, that we would see Jesus through a pure lens, through a pure biblical lens. You may have heard of what Jesus is or who he is, but I want us as we go through the Bible together to know exactly who he says he is, who Jesus says he is, and not what you think he is. So let's pray together real quick. God, I just ask that you would just bless this Bible study together, Lord. Um, I pray that you would just guide and direct everything I say, Lord, that you would touch hearts and minds um, right now in this moment to receive what you want them to receive, Lord God. And I pray that we would be a church that goes all in, Lord, that we would trust you. We would desire to know you. We would desire to read our Bible, know our Bible, Lord, and that you would just bless us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So um, we're going to start this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26 um, and read through um, 33. So verse 26 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's important to know that Jesus has always been and will always be the eternal king. Uh, Jesus' existence didn't start just 2,000 years ago, but before anything existed, he was he always is and will always be. John puts it this way in the first chapter of John, verse 1 through 3. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him 
was not anything made that was made. In, in Colossians, the first chapter, it also teaches us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And again, that everything was created through him and for him. So how is he king? Well, Jesus is king not by mere title, but it is his divine nature. It is who he is. He has always been king. He will always be king. And so why that's important for us to know and understand is that, you know, no matter how deep or dark the place or situation is, or wherever you're imagined in, in the scenarios that we make in our heads of how bad things can get, the good news is that Jesus is still king in those situations, over those situations, in those countries, in those circumstances. Jesus is always king and that nothing happens unless he permits it. So we, we, we can wonder, and I've heard it from other people too that aren't even Christians, like, how is Jesus my king? Well, the truth is that Jesus <laughs> is your king because you were created for him and by him. You were created by him for him. Like that's really important to note that, that you don't exist just to live your life however you want or do whatever you want, but you were made for a purpose. Um, God desires to know you and God desires to flow through you and to love you and to, to use you to bring uh, peace and, and bring him glory um, in the world around you to your community around you. And that um, to know that we have a king that honestly desires a real relationship with us that, like I've said before, and he doesn't just rule and govern beyond our reach, um, but God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to earth for us. And so as we learned in the scriptures that Jesus, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we have to recognize that this is really, really significant uh, because he came into the world holy, pure, and not stained by sin. You see, everyone else that was connected to, to Adam and Eve, um, they, they had fallen in the garden. God had made this garden of Eden and, and made Adam and Eve to walk with him and talk with him and have a relationship with him, but they chose to disobey God. And through that, all of humanity has a sinful nature and we all choose to disobey God, right? And, and so we grow old, we struggle, um, we lose, um, we, we, we go through stuff, we die. And God never wanted that for us. He, he wanted us to be with him for eternity. He wanted us to stay in relationship with him. And so Jesus came to restore what was broken. He was born fully God because of the Holy Spirit, and he was born fully man because he was born through an earthly woman, right? And so he is fully God and fully man. That makes him the only perfect sacrifice for you and me. The only one that could die on the cross, that could take our sins upon him. Um, he's the only one able to do that. No one else could. I couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. We all make mistakes. We all sin, but Jesus didn't right? He never sinned. He never made a mistake. And so you realize that Jesus is no ordinary human, right? All through the Old Testament, all through the Bible, uh, it points to the Messiah. It points to the King waiting for him to come and change everything. And so all of Israel and anyone who had been reading uh, the, God's word and all the scriptures, they've been looking for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the Messiah. The whole world was yearning for the Messiah to come. And so now, here he is. 
Now he's stepping in the scene. Now he is being born, and he's going to show us how a real king leads and governs his people. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of bosses my, uh, my whole life. I've had a lot of managers and leaders, and there's a quality that set apart um, the bosses I loved from the bosses I really did not like working for. Um, and so the ones I didn't like working for were the bosses that, you know, they, they have status, they're above me, right? And I'm down here, but they, they abuse that in a way where they don't want to help me, they don't want to uh, make me better, they don't want to lift a finger to, to like complete the task that I'm dealing with. And though, though that that's happens, right, and people can use their status or their rank for that, um, the leaders that I always respected and I wanted to be like were the ones that even though they were above me, they came down and they worked beside me. When push came to shove, they were there in the grind with me. They were working right beside me. They didn't take that status as something um, to be grasped, right? And so why that is so amazing about our God is, is that he didn't just sit on the throne and tell us how to live our lives or give us the law, but he chose to identify with us. He chose to come down on our level to show us the kind of king we had the opportunity and the privilege to serve and pledge our allegiance to, to worship and to trust in. So um, after, as Mary has this experience with Gabriel the angel, she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who we learned last week is uh, John the Baptist's mother, right? And so they have this amazing moment, and through this, the praise breaks out, and, and Mary starts singing this song of praise. And that's where we're going to jump into next, in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 51. We'll read through 55. 51 says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Jesus is the eternal Savior. He's not only king, but he came to save us. He is the savior for mankind. And we see that God's will is unstoppable. Mary proclaimed in the song what God was going to do in the future because she knew God's plan was not going to fail. And her faith in God's promise resulted in the song of praise before she actually experienced what God was promising. That's significant. We call that praising God in advance before you see it happen to continue to praise God. And, and, and as I was reading this, um, my grandmother came to mind and she had five kids and uh, she was a single mom for a part of that. And so she, she oftentimes she didn't know how she was going to pay the bills or how she was going to feed her kids. And later as her kids grew up, they weren't always serving Jesus. And so, um, you know, that, that thought of my kids don't know Christ. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to spend eternity with Jesus. Um, if anything happened, I want them to know that they're going to be in heaven and I can see them one day. But even though she had all these stresses and stuff, she praised God in advance. Even though when she didn't see her kids in church, she praised that God was going to restore them. God was going to draw them in with his love. Even when she didn't know how to pay the bills, she praised God that he has already done it. Even when um, she didn't know how she was going to feed her kids, she praised God, I thank you that you are going to give us the food to eat. You're going to bless us. And in that, you, you never found her, not in church, 
Um, um, you, you always found her leading um, worship. You always found her playing the piano. Like she didn't take those things and, and stop serving God or stop praising God because she didn't see it in the moment. And this is initially what Mary is doing. She hasn't experienced Jesus coming and, and being the Savior and taking on the sins of the world. This hasn't happened yet. The promise hasn't really been fulfilled yet, but yet she is praising God in ways it has already happened. God, I know you said it, so I know it is going to to be done. She knew that God was going to um, fulfill his promises. And so if you think about it, Mary was young and she was poor and she was a woman. Like these are qualities that uh, nobody expected her to be significant. No one expected her to be anyone important. Um, and especially in the society, in the Roman world, she would have never been looked at as someone, um, you know, of high status by any means. Yet, even in that, and in her significance, she was faithful and she was obedient to God. And that's who God wants to use because God's kingdom is an upside down one. And Jesus was coming to change everything and basically dump the social status of people on its head, right? And we see that in this time of history between Roman law and Greek philosophy and all these numerous religions that Still, the needs of the people were not met. Um, there was no law. There was no philosophy. There was no religion that was bringing peace to people. People were still slaves to sin. They were still slaves to oppression. Um, and this time was Rome was taking over the world, right? And definitely in charge of Israel. Um, that you had these Israelites that they even tried to take over and they couldn't. You couldn't beat the Roman government. You couldn't beat the Roman army. So there was no fighting the system, right? This is how things are supposed to be. So in steps Jesus to change everything. He came at the perfect time in history to change everything. And he came to seek and save the lost. He came to save us, right? And the sad thing is that a lot of people, they have um, they're, they're, they have a big ego. Um, they have a lot of pride. Um, they're really arrogant. And these people reject the very notion that they need help. Even as Christians, we can do this. Um, we can be so prideful asking for help that a lot of times we will miss the miracle that God is trying to give us because we're rejecting the fact that we even need help. Like, I'll do it myself. You know what? I'm just going to take care of it. Can't trust people. I can't trust anybody. And instead of, of accepting that, you are just prolonging the fact that you need help and you are delaying God's power to restore something or to bless you in an area of your life. And so um, even people that, that uh, don't come to Jesus, a lot of that has to do with their pride. They reject the very notion that they need help, that they need a savior. And they reject the notion that they have to submit to an authority higher than themselves. They like being their own God and they like doing what they think they should do and, and living in a world where they think they are the ruler of their own life, right? And so for, for us, um, we have to recognize that God doesn't want those prideful people. He doesn't want to use those arrogant people. He wants the weak. He wants the insignificant. He wants um, the, the fools so that he can fill them up with his spirit and fill them up with his wisdom and his knowledge um, and his strength. And so through that, when you see these people that are very insignificant, yet they are um, changing the world around them and they give all glory to God. They realize, you know, I've got nothing in myself. Every, even the talents I have, God gave me. Everything, all the success I have is because God did this. And I think it's interesting to note that um, as Jesus was on earth doing his earthly ministry, he attracted these misfits. 
um, and these rejects and these outcasts, and he transformed them, right? And so uh, even looking back um, in David in 1 Samuel chapter 22, that when he was on the run for his life from King Saul, um, David, who was obedient to God, he loved God, he served him, even when um, everything was crazy around him, that um, he had these guys, it talks about that, that uh, came to him, and they were distressed, and they were, you know, they're grumpy people, they were not um, necessarily good men, and uh, they're coming to him, and because they were attracted to God's Spirit, in David. They were attracted to that. God's Spirit attracts those types of people that, that have no hope or or just the outcasts and rejects. And, and God used David to transform these men into mighty men of valor, into this amazing army, right? These amazing soldiers. And Jesus, again, he transforms his disciples to change the world. And so you can find yourself in a place where um, maybe you attract the weirdos or, or you are a weirdo that's attracted to uh, uh, godly people or whatever else. That, that maybe when you're being attracted to, um, don't push people away. Maybe God has put you there to share the gospel with them, to love them, to disciple them, to show them that they have a purpose and that God wants to use them. Um, and so even if you don't think you can do that, even if you don't think I couldn't disciple a person like I'm, I'm a mess, I'm a nobody, or I'm insignificant, good <laughs> because God wants to use you because in that when you get the victory when you get that success when you train someone up you're able to say that was all God that was not me I don't have the skills I don't have the mind I don't have the knowledge that was all God and God ends up getting all the glory through that so God wants to use people that aren't filled with himself but are filled with him and he wants to use these people that are filled with his spirit and his presence to transform the community around them the people around them places around them so turn with me to the last few verses um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 starting at verse 4 and we'll read through verse 7 and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And Jesus represents to us what it looks like to be the humble servant. God chose to personally identify with his image barriers because no one could stop from sinning. No one uh, could live up to perfection. Um, everyone made mistakes. Everyone failed. So Jesus came to walk in perfection for us, to do what we couldn't do, to do what you couldn't do, what I couldn't do, um, to show us what real righteousness looks like. In Philippians chapter 2, um, starting at verse 6, it's talking about Jesus. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is so powerful and so awesome to know this about our Lord because in his love, he left his heavenly throne. He left 
perfect comfort. He left his rights and privileges as rulers of everything to get down in the dirt with us, to walk with us, to teach us, to show us what walking in righteousness looks like, what perfection looks like. I mean, he was tempted um, by the devil himself, and he showed us that you can overcome it. It is through God's spirit, through God's grace that you can overcome the temptations. You don't have to live in sin all the time. Through Christ, you can overcome that. And so it, how humble it was that he's born in a place meant for animals to eat out of. Like that's pretty intense that the ruler of everything, the king of everything would be born in such circumstances. And even when he was grown as a man and he was doing his ministry, you know, he, he tells them that uh, in Matthew 8, he says that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have any place to lay his head. And so you look at Jesus who, uh, I mean, King, King, Lord of Lords, and he doesn't even have a stable home. He is trusting and depending on God to provide for him every day, one day at a time. He, he, he doesn't go, you know what, I really need just to sit back in my recliner today. I'm done for the day. You know what I mean? Like he has no comfy bed. He's not jumping in his king-size bed, but he's completely submissive to God. He's completely humble and just living to serve God. And so we as um, um, we see that Jesus is the ultimate servant of God, but we sometimes forget that we as Christ followers are his servants as well. And in this, a lot of people can struggle with wondering if they're in God's will. You can be in a situation and you're trying to follow God. You're trying to do what's right, but your whole world is just uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about when it seems like nothing is going as planned. You made this plan, you prayed this out, you've requested this, and it's not happening at all all, right? And and you can be praying hard for something or the, a new job or next step or for sickness to be gone. And it's just, you're not getting the answer you want, or you're not getting an answer at all. Well, here's the good news that just because your world or your circumstance or your situation is upside down, it doesn't mean that God isn't working on your behalf. It doesn't mean that God isn't looking out for you. It doesn't mean that God is not helping you, right? You just don't see it. God works in a lot of behind the scenes ways that we don't know why we're going through something or why he's not answering this prayer, but yet we have to continue to trust God. Because say hypothetical, let's talk about Mary and Joseph for a second. They had to travel 70 miles to Bethlehem from where they were, right? Could you imagine if if Mary, as she's pregnant, as, as maybe, uh, you know, you've had a wife that's pregnant or you've been pregnant, you've experienced what pregnancy looks like. Can you imagine her? traveling 70 miles in that heat on a donkey. Can you imagine the thoughts she could have had or the things she she could have said maybe, right? Hypothetically, like um, this road is bumpy or this donkey is uncomfortable or I'm having the worst hot flash of my life. Like I, I want something and I can't have it or, and then it gets to Bethlehem and there's no room for them anywhere and they have to, um, you know, she has to give birth and she ends up um, saying, man, I don't, I don't have no place for my, my baby, the son of God to sleep. And yet here he is, I'm putting him in a manger, a place suited for animals. Like surely we messed up, Joseph. Surely we're not in God's will. Surely this is not what God wanted. Uh, surely he was supposed to be born in better circumstances. Like there's no way this could have happened. And, and you know, you, we can look at our situations like that. We can look at the things we're going through or the problems that we face or the reason God didn't answer that prayer or whatever else and be like, surely this is not what God's, God meant. But yet, what if it is? 
because God chose for Mary and Joseph to experience that. He chose for his son to be born in humble circumstances like that. And so we have to recognize that um, even the worst things we experience or the worst places that we've been in, um, that when you're faithfully serving God, that he has a greater purpose. There's a reason behind it. There's a reason you're walking through that. There's a reason he is not answering that prayer. And maybe we, we won't get the answer while we're here on earth. Maybe it won't be until heaven that he's going to reveal, reveal that to us. Um, so I want to encourage you that, that we shouldn't limit God by our expectations of how it should be, right? I mean, even if right now you are just deciding to follow Christ, but yet you have your past weighing on you, um, things you've done um, in your past, and it's just it's just messing with you and getting on you. Or maybe you know you you you're a follower of Jesus, but it seems like you're in a place where you just feel like you're making mistake after mistake after mistake. Well, I want you to know that God wants you to trust Him and to really depend on Him. Let Him save you. From what's been done in the past, let him redeem that. Let him restore that. Though, even if you're messing up, that Jesus, as as you give your all to me, can transform your situation and your circumstance and redeem it and restore what is lost, restore what is broken, to help you to overcome the struggles that you are going through right now. Because we have to understand that Jesus is our King, He is our Savior, and He is the blueprint of what serving God looks like. So, a reminder for us today. That despite of all what's going on, all the chaos in your life or in the world or in the media, that we continue to trust God and know that it is His will and He is always in control. That whatever is happening is happening because He is allowing it to happen. And that to continue to pray, continue to seek Him to restore and redeem. And maybe He's calling you to, to uh, pray more or to seek Him out more. But no matter what's going on, to know that He is in control and that we can trust Him as Lord of everything and Lord of our lives. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you for um, bringing us together, God. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you are our king, that you are our savior, Lord, that you show us what it looks like um, to be perfect. And I just ask God that whatever we're going through, um, that you would just bless us and help us, Lord, that you would bring peace to our situation, Lord, um, that you would help us, Lord God, and, and to continue to um, witness about you to other people, continue to love people, Lord God, and share Jesus with others. And that wouldn't be a burden, but it's something that we would be excited to do, Lord Jesus. Give us the words, Lord. Let our life reflect you, Lord. Let us represent you well. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.